Well, hey, good morning. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at Christ Church, and so glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, so before COVID, uh, a normal thing in our life was to come to a physical building on Sunday mornings and do church service. And then after church, we would get in the car together or we would be at home and we would say, hey, how was church today? Like, what did you think? And I don't know if that's a normal thing for people to do to kind of evaluate how church was afterwards. Uh, but it's a question of if you are going to evaluate church, how exactly do you do that? I mean, what makes a church service good or not? And what I have found is that it very much depends on who the person is. So I have known some people, and for them, it was a great church service if they like felt all the feels. If, you know, during the worship experience or if during the sermon, if they just like, you know, if they cried, if they laughed, if they just like had this like special emotional experience with God, then it was a great church service. Uh, I've known other people and it was a great church service if like their mind was blown. Like if they heard a, a quote or if, you know, they heard some Greek or Hebrew or some historical thing or some theological idea explained in a way that they have never heard before, then it was a great church service. Uh, I've known other people, and this might seem funny to some of you, but for them, it was a great church service if they really felt bad. Uh, like if they really felt convicted of their sins. Uh, if they really had a light shone on some of the dark, icky parts of their life, then they think it was a great church service just to kind of like have that revealed in their life. Uh, and then there's other people, and I, I hope this one isn't true of our church, but you never know. That for them, it was a great church service if they just made it through. Uh, because church isn't all that fun. They have to like wake up early in the morning and get their families. And you know, church is kind of boring. Uh, but they feel like that church is something that they are supposed to do. Church is something that God wants them to do. Uh, so it's this, hey God, you know, did you see what I did for you? You know, I woke up early on a Sunday and you know, I sat through this whole church service and I didn't even fall asleep. And so just the fact that I made it through. It was a good church experience. Uh, and how about for you? Uh, how do you decide if it was a good church service or not? Uh, today, we are going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And uh, we've been going through this letter, 1 Corinthians, for many months now. We're uh, approaching the end, uh, finally, uh, but it's been a, a ton of fun. And today, Paul is going to talk to us about what he thinks the goal for a church service should be. And I think this is super fun because Paul was writing to one of the very first churches 2,000 years ago. So this is when church was just being invented. You know, this is, you know, what is it going to be like for the next 2,000 years? And this is a church that I think is much more similar to what we are experiencing right now in COVID than what a lot of us have experienced maybe in other parts of our life because they were meeting 2,000 years ago, not in big buildings, you know, not with, you know, bands and sound systems. They were meeting in homes, sometimes with just a couple people, sometimes with just one family, uh, but it was individuals coming together and what should be the win? Uh, what should be the experience? You know, what should be the, you know, the takeaway for people when they come together for a church service? And so that's what Paul is going to talk to us about today. Uh, before we go into the text, though, 
I want to explain two words that Paul is going to use uh, that may be a little unfamiliar to us, uh, and that is the words tongues and prophecy. Uh, and so prophecy, uh, prophecy sometimes in the Bible can have to do with someone who has the ability to see into the future, someone who can predict, here's what I think is going to happen someday. Uh, but then other times, prophecy uh, is about someone who can give clarity to what God wants somebody to do. Uh, and that's really the one that Paul is driving on today, is that what we believe is that God has a plan for every single one of us. Uh, God has a plan for how he wants you to spend your day. God has a way of how he wants you to spend your finances. God has a way he wants you to treat other people. God has a plan for every part of your life. But a lot of times we're like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what God wants me to do. And so someone who has the gift of prophecy can say, here's what I think God wants you to do. Here's how I think you can apply this God-given truth to your everyday life. And you go, oh, okay, now I know what to do. Then uh, that person has been prophetic in your life. So that's what Paul means when he talks about prophecy today. Somebody who can give clarity to what you're supposed to do to follow God in your everyday life. Uh, the other one is, is tongues. And tongues can mean a couple different things in the Bible, too. Sometimes uh, when the Bible talks about tongues, it talks about something miraculous where someone is able to speak a language that they have never spoken before and never been trained before. Uh, and so sometimes in the Bible, someone will preach a sermon and they're preaching a sermon and other people can understand it, even though they all speak different languages. Uh, and this is something that I have never personally experienced before. But I've heard stories from people that I trust where they were on the missions field or they were in some other country and they had a conversation with someone and they were talking to them about Jesus and letting them know how much Jesus loves them. And then later on, they realized I, that person doesn't speak English. And, like, and I don't speak the language that they speak, but somehow, miraculously, we were able to have a conversation in a joint language, even though we don't speak each other's languages. Uh, and then other times, uh, tongues means it's kind of this like special prayer language that there's times where you can get in this like mode of prayer where you're just like so connected with God and like you're speaking and you're like making noises, but it wouldn't make sense to anybody else, but it makes sense to you and it makes sense to God. And maybe you've seen something like this before. Maybe some of you have experienced this before. Uh, this is something that is sometimes seen like in pop culture things and is even like made fun of a lot. Uh, and in total truth. This is something that I have never personally experienced or, or I've never done before uh, that I know of anyways. I have been in some experiences before where lots of people around me were speaking in tongues. And in some of those cases, uh, it felt very manipulated and forced and even fake. And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, you know, what was really going on in all their hearts, but that's just how it felt to me. Uh, but then I've been in just really a few, uh, and it's probably just the it, kind of the groups that I've been in. I've only been in a couple different times where some people around me were speaking in tongues, and it did feel very sincere and very real, and it felt like that they were having a very personal experience with God. What I have experienced is I have had times where I just felt like I had a real 
special connection with God. Uh, I've had times where I've been worshiping before and singing, and it felt like that, like all of a sudden nobody else was in the room. It just felt like it was just me and God having this like very special experience. Uh, or I've had times where I've been praying before, and it really like it just felt like God and I had like this real special connection at that point. Or sometimes I've been out running in the mornings or hiking, and I just really felt the presence of God, and like so much so in, in all of those. Where I, I feel like I can't even like put it into words. I just was so much in this like close proximity with the Spirit of God, and I don't know if you've experienced that before in your life, uh, but it's it, it's amazing, and that's what uh, Paul is talking about when he's talking about tongues today. It's kind of this like special, intimate, you know, me and God personal relationship connection thing that can happen sometimes uh, in our relationship uh, with Jesus. Uh, so. Here's what Paul is going to say about what a church service should look like, and he's going to be using those words of uh, prophecy uh, in tongues. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like everyone to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Uh, so Paul is making a, a, a distinction here and, and an assumption. Uh, one, he's making a, an assumption that the, the folks in this church would have the ability to have different experiences with God and that they would have personal experiences with God and that they would have corporate experiences with God. And he's making a distinction that those might be different. Uh a couple years ago, uh, I read a book, and it was uh, written years ago, uh, called The Seven Spiritual Pathways. And it talks about that all of us have different ways that we really encounter a spiritual experience with God. Uh, and that some people might have a nature pathway. So for them to be out in nature and just, you know, out on a lake or hiking or, you know, that's really where they feel the presence of God. Uh, other people, it's an intellectual pathway. So it's when they're they're studying and really, you know, going deep, you know, into kind of the, the history and the language. Uh, then that's when they really feel the presence of God. Uh, other people, uh, it's a worship pathway. So it's when they're they're singing or in that kind of an experience. Other people, it's a relational pathway. So it's when they're really with other people. And we all have these different experiences with God. Uh, and what Paul is saying is that Whatever yours is, those are incredibly valuable. But you need to understand that when you have that experience, that that's really for you. That's something that is going to edify you. That's something that's going to build you up. And that is very important. And you should take time to do that. But when we're all together corporately, Paul is saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to focus on the things that just edify you personally. We're going to work on the things that edify, that encourage, that strengthen all of us together. Um, Paul's going to go on to explain that. He says, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good 
and will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a pipe or a harp, how will anyone know what the tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if a trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If, then, I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? Since you do not know what you are saying, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in church... I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Here's what all of us know. We've all had experiences in our life where we've been in situations where someone was talking about something that was obviously very meaningful to them, something that was very like maybe even truthful, but we didn't understand. Uh, maybe for you, uh, it was like in a sports context and maybe you were watching a game with a bunch of people and like, like it wasn't your sport. Like you, you didn't understand the rules. You did not understand what was going on. So all of a sudden everyone's cheering. You're like, what happened? What's going on? Like, I don't get it. Or all of a sudden everyone's all mad and they're angry and like, well, you don't understand because you don't understand the rules. Uh, or maybe it was like in an artistic uh, environment and you like went to a, a ballet or an opera or you're looking at some amazing piece of art and everyone was talking about the storyline and like, here's what all this really means. And you're like, I, I, I don't get it. I, I just, I just see swirly lines, you know, I, I just hear people singing. I just see people dancing. Like I, I, I'm not understanding the story uh, or for me. Uh, last week we did our first ever live service, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to do another one next week. But to do that, we had to learn all kinds of new technology. So I had to sit through these webinars where they're explaining all this, like how you live stream and how you encode messages. And like, I, I was completely lost. And it was obvious that like other people knew what they were talking about. Uh, other people who were listening seemed like they knew, but I really had no clue. And maybe some of you have had that experience in church before. Um, maybe you like, you know, like that old uh, peanuts thing of, you know, the, the teachers are wah, 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 you know, where you're sitting in church service and you're like, I, I really have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, because maybe you walked into a church and like you saw these, you know, two people that were talking like in relationship, you know, and they were sharing with each other and they had all kinds of inside jokes. And like, you could tell that like they were really getting a lot out of it, but you didn't know their stories. You weren't even really being included on the conversation. You didn't know their inside jokes. So you just felt like you were on the outside. 
Uh, or I've heard people who said that they walked into a church and like they saw people worshiping and they, you know, the songs would start especially and they'd see people close their eyes and raise their hands and, and they'd think like, I don't know what that's about. I've never seen anybody do that in like any other part of my life. And like, it just, to me, like, it seems like they're sincere, but like, I just, I don't understand what they are doing. Uh, or sometimes even just the words we use in church, we don't understand. Uh, there's a famous story in the life of our church, uh, where when we were very first, uh, beginning seven years ago, uh, we were talking about setting up these different, uh, environments on our Sunday mornings. So we were talking about, you know, all right, here's where we're going to have the stage, you know, so here's where we're going to do the singing from, here's where we're going to do the speaking from. And then back here, we're going to have our fellowship area. Uh, and we kept talking about, you know, here's where people can come in and before service, they can fellowship. And then after service, they can fellowship. Uh, and, uh, one of the uh, members of our team, who was a pretty new Christian at the time, uh, raised her hand and was like, well, what's a fellowship? Like, well, well, what exactly do we, what does that word mean? Because that's not a word we use normally. Uh, people aren't talking about getting together to fellowship in any kind of environment outside the church. And so we were talking about something and she had no idea what we were talking about. And what Paul is saying is that, you know what, you can really talk about most things in church. Uh, you, you can talk about the word fellowship. Uh, you can get together and you can talk about you know, with, with your friend what was going on. You can have a meaningful worship experience, but make sure that you explain it. Make sure you include other people. Uh, make sure you say, hey, here's what we're really talking about. Or maybe uh, one of the things that we've really tried to do as a church do whatever we can that if, if if we have to really use a a churchy word that we take time to explain it if we're going to do you know a special prayer experience if we're going to do a special worship experience to take time to explain it uh, or put it in language that everyone would understand anyways and i've found that that is incredibly valuable because i found that even a lot of people who are quote unquote church people people who have maybe been in church for years, a lot of times it's easy to like have practices and it's possible to use phrases. And even we don't really know what it means. So we see it sing lines in, in lyrics, you know, that, you know, thank God that you, you know, bore my sin on the cross. And, and that, and that sounds good. And it sounds very Christian-y, but what does that really mean? And what does that mean that, that, that Jesus bore our sin on the cross? Uh, or when we say that Jesus like atoned for our sins, or when we say that Jesus came to give us eternal life, or that Jesus, there's all these phrases that may mean a lot to us, but there's a good chance that a lot of us have never really fully explained what they mean. And so Paul says, that what we need to be super, super careful to do is that when we come together as a church, that we make sure that we're not having conversations that leave other people out. Make sure that we're not having our own little private worship experience that is leaving other people out. And make sure that we're not using words and terminology that is leaving other people out. But we want to take time to explain and make clear so that everyone can be a part of it. Uh, and Paul says that's is true for everybody, but here's especially uh, when it's true, uh, because Paul is going to make uh, another uh, assumption. 
So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say, you are out of your mind? And how true is that? Uh, how much is it that, uh, one, Paul is making an assumption that anytime where you get together, there's going to be people that are unbelievers. There's going to be people that don't know. There's going to be people that have not been introduced into this. And that what they're going to think, if everyone is having their own little private worship experience, if everyone is having their own, you know, kind of deep theological discussion that they're not explaining to anyone else, if they're having their own, you know, special kind of little conversation over here, and if they're not explaining it to everyone else, then outsiders are going to think, one, I feel excluded, and these people are kind of crazy. And what I have found in church is that for sure there's people who will complain and will say, hey, I didn't really like that we did this. But for the most part, the people that will say, I don't really appreciate that. I didn't really like that. You know, hey, would you guys be willing to change that is people that are in the church. But people who are outside, people who are visiting, people who are just kind of like checking this out, you know, who finally accepted that invitation for a neighbor if it feels weird, if it feels like that, like I, I don't understand what's going on, if, if they don't feel included, they're just not going to come back. Uh, they're just going to say, I, I, I guess this really isn't for me. Uh, and then here's how Paul ends. As Paul says, but if an unbeliever or an acquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, and again, so prophesying is when someone is making clear, here's what you should do. Here's how you should apply this to your life. Then they will be convicted of sin and they will be brought under judgment by all and their secrets of their hearts will be laid bare so that they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming that God is really among you. And that might sound pretty intense. Uh, another word that we might use is that they will be called to repent. And that is what Paul is going to say. That is the main goal for why we come together. That the reason we come together is to edify each other, to strengthen each other, to give courage to each other, to instruct each other so that we will all have the ability to be able to repent. And now that's a churchy word that you might not understand. Repent just means I'm going to go a different direction. And that's the big goal of why we come together, is we are trying to learn what it looks like to follow Jesus. We are trying to look like, trying to figure out what it looks like to follow in this new way of living. And oftentimes that means, okay, I was spending my money this way, but now if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to turn around, I'm going to repent, and I'm going to uh, spend my money in a different way. I was treating people this way, but now, because I've been instructed on how to follow Jesus, I'm going to treat people a different way. I was holding grudges, but now I'm going to give forgiveness. I was living my life towards just like selfishness and towards lust and towards pride, but now I'm going to go a different way and I'm going to live towards helping other people, towards love towards giving, towards generosity. I'm going to try to live in this new way of life. Here's why Paul says you should come to a church service. It's so that you can learn together how to live differently. 
Paul thinks that you should get in the car after service and you should say, hey, do I know what I could do to live differently? How could I apply this Jesus thing to my life in a different and better way this week? And if you know a step you can take, if you know something in your life that you can change, and if everybody, no matter if they are brand new or whether they've been a seasoned Christian, if everyone has an idea of something they can do to change, a way that they can take a step towards actually applying this to their life, then Paul says that was a great church service. Uh, and we have a, a great uh, tool for this. So we think that one of the best ways that you can really take advantage of having great church services on Sunday is to, after the online service is over, to open up your email or go to Facebook and get our next step email. And in that email, you're going to find questions that you can ask. Uh, you're going to find prayers that you can pray. And you're going to find things that we're going to encourage you to do to actually apply these things to your life. And we feel like we can that if you can take church service of being just like something else you do in your life to something that is really making a difference. If you spend time thinking through those questions, especially talking through those questions with someone else, uh, maybe you need to give somebody a call and talk through those questions. Maybe you need to uh, get together with someone and, and take a social distance walk from each other and go through those questions and have someone else hold you accountable to actually trying to live these things out because that's where it's going to make a real, real difference. Uh, and so speaking of clarity, uh, we're going to take a communion together as we do each week. And so let me be very clear of why we take communion. Is we take communion to remember the fact that Jesus died for us. And what does it mean that Jesus died for us? It means two things. It means, number one, that Jesus would do anything to have a relationship with you, even if it means giving up and sacrificing his life for you. And that there is nothing you could ever do that could separate you from Jesus loving you. Even if you crucified, even if you murdered his own son, Jesus would still give you a second chance and he would still forgive you. And how awesome is that? And so we remember that each week when we take communion. So let's take the bread together. Let's take the juice together. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this thing that you have given us of church. God, I pray that we have personal experiences with you. That we have times where we put worship music on or we uh, read our Bibles or we go on walks or you know whatever it is, our pathway with you. And that we have deep intimate times with you. And I pray that we have corporate times where when we come together, the main purpose is not just us, but it's how we can all work to grow and apply this to our lives and that that's what we can be as a church. So we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Uh, we will see you uh, next week. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, live again recording. So super excited for that. So talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us for church today. We are so glad that you came. We hope you found it helpful to join in on the chat, uh, focus on God, and spend time learning together. 
We believe that church is not just a building and it's certainly not just a Sunday thing. We wanna become more like Jesus every day. And there are a couple things that we can do to help us grow in that journey with Jesus. One being our next steps email. If you are already on our email list, you'll be receiving that shortly. If not, um, it will be posted on the Facebook page in just a little bit. This email has steps um, for questions to ask yourself and others, as well as prayers, pray throughout the week and activities. Um, it's a great tool to continue that journey of what we've already been talking about this week. Another thing that you can do, our leaders would love to know how we can help you take whatever next step you're ready for. Um, you can fill out the connect card, which is at the top of the screen at any time and let us know any questions, prayer requests, anything we can help you with. We would love to um, come alongside you in that. Um, also, like I said, church is not just a building. It's a community of people and we want to be here for each other. So if anything come up, comes up in your week, please let us know. Do not hesitate to connect with us. We would love to hear from you, pray with you, and help in whatever way we can. So we hope to see you next week. Join us at 10.30 for our service. Um, if you want to get on a little bit earlier at 10.10, we'll have a chat going with some fun questions to get to know each other. And we hope to see you there. Have a great week.